Alrighty, folks. I'm feeling like doing a rant tonight. Yeah, I think we're going to rant. So we're going to go totally off topic first. What I want to know is why do the Transformers use swords? They're robots. That in theory should be able to turn into guns and cannons and shoot lasers. They're planes. They're jets. There are, you know, super trucks, Corvettes, Camaros, interstellar galactic travelers. And they have swords and hooks. Are they like, I don't know, the Autobots of the Caribbean? What's the point of this? I don't get it. it. To me, it's just, it's pure ignorance. Why would you be a robot and use a sword? Now, I'm going to rebut myself here and say that maybe it's because it's a backup weapon. You've seen Starship Troopers... The guy's like, why do we need knives? And the captain's like, let me show you how. And he puts his hand on the wall and puts it through his hand. He's like, it's always better of a backup. So yeah, I guess so. Whatever. How's that apply to business? I don't know. Maybe you don't want to sell an ignorant product. Or maybe you want to waste a backup plan. And that's why Optimus Prime has swords and a cannon. Personally, I think robots from another galaxy or another dimension or another world or who had been in existence based on the movie series recently and the cartoons when I was a child in the 80s it doesn't seem sensible that they would ever use swords. Perhaps hand-to-hand combat, and I guess you could argue a sword, but in the 19, I think, 85 or 86 movie where Optimus Prime was killed, uh, what's, I can't think of the bad guy's name. Shoot. Dang, I'm getting, uh, adult brain today. That's what happens when I close, folks. But, uh, Megatron, yes, we came Galvatron, he had, like, a lightsaber he cut him with. That I get. I get it. Cut you. Ah! Why the heck does Optimus Prime carry a sword? Why would you have a sword? I would think a club would make more sense. Unless they have some kind of adamantium sword? And now Marvel owns Transformers? I don't know. I would say the lesson there for you off my rant is stay in your lane. It doesn't make sense when a fight with swords. I don't care what you say. It just is preposterous to me. Now, me as a, you know, someone who's trying to protect my children, yes, I do have, you know, a multitude of weapons at times on me. I will have blades and piercing objects and pummeling objects and things that shoot little pew-pews, yes. Because my children's lives will be protected, as is my wife's and my own. I'm a strong believer as the leader of my house of that. If it means I'm a toxically masculine male, I'm going to keep opening doors and putting out chairs for my wife and other women and saying please and thank you. And I will be armed, and I will speak my truth, and I will try not to offend people, but I will still use my first, second, and other amendments, because I am part of the United States. Citizenship. Citizen, citizen, I have citizenship. Put it as well, I was born in Manhattan. How's that sound? Yeah, buddy. So rant number two. We'll be here in about 30 seconds. Here's my second rant, and this one I think is a—it's uh, going to be interesting, but it's, it's going to cut. There's a lesson in this, but I want to rant about this because I was at my work the other day, and someone's asked me to say something in Spanish. I was like, I don't really know. Spanish is my secondary language, and my you know my vernacular vocabulary in Spanish are not as deep and profound as many of you. And you know, this person was younger, and I had other people at my job, and also when I was in college. It's, I'm basically called a, a, a New Yorkian. I speak Spanglish, they'll claim. Or I'm a gringo, I'm not a real Puerto Rican, I've had people tell me that, or I'm not a real Hispanic. I get a hundred different permutations of these answers because the fact that I was born in New York to second-generation Hispanic parents or Latinos 
or whatever you want to call us, because the Puerto Rico's closer to the Caribbean, which makes it interesting, right? So I got all these weird answers, right? So someone asked me, I said, are you, you, you Hispanic? And I was like, no. I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know. I don't compartmentalize myself. They're like, what? I was like, I'm American. They're like, what? I was like, I was born in America. I'm a New Yorker, most of you call me. And I've noticed something very interesting. That the answer when I tell them I'm American, it seems to bother them. Now, I think some people don't like it because it's it's not what they were expecting. And the unknown is always uncomfortable, right? So I get it. I gave you an answer you were expecting, so it throws you off. Then I think there's people who are so immensely tied into their ethnic pride that it insults them that I don't claim what they think I should claim or I claim what they think I'm not worthy of. Now, either rabbit holes for them to go down, that's fine, but I find it very interesting that I could be Hispanic to some, Latino to others, but neither to the people with the same indigenous areas that my forefathers would claim. So let's go down the rabbit hole a little more. I had someone in my uh, prior location, they told me I wasn't a real Puerto Rican because I wasn't born in her country. But Puerto Rico's not a country, it's a commonwealth of America. So I found that very interesting. So let's go back to about three, four days ago. So, you know, I was like, I don't label myself. Like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm an American. I'm me. I'm, I'm concerned with my my people who have my name, which would be me, my wife, my kids. Uh, my country, yeah, it's, it's, how would you put it? My hierarchy goes something more like this. It's like God, family, country. Then everything else, right? I'll be honest, folks. I don't have time to label myself and celebrate special holidays and look for reasons why Portugal should be a state or look for reasons why I'm this or I'm that. When I was younger, huge, hugely into it. I was big on labeling myself. You know, it's, it's uh, some of it I would say I would think was uh, the educational system being ignorant. I also had some teachers that taught us Puerto Rican history in grade school, and it was really cool because it was just an honest telling of the history. I had somebody who loved history and loved the fact that she was Puerto Rican by birth. And it was a good teacher. You know, a good teacher can get you to like a subject because they can show you what they find beautiful in it. Side ran again. I had an English teacher. We would read all kinds of stuff because he made us interested. Had a history teacher. Had us reading four or five hundred pages a week. We loved his class. We were willing to take AP history, knowing that it was more. Knowing we might not take the test, I might not get credit for college. Which I think only two out of fourteen or thirteen of us took the test. I know I didn't. I wasn't trying to do that, folks. But I loved that teacher. Not in the love sense, but it was. It was. He, he really got us into it. Now, see, when it comes to my culture and ancestry, etc., etc., I couldn't give a darn anymore, folks. I really couldn't. For me, it's become a massive waste of time to sit there where people say, oh, you're not Puerto Rican enough. Oh, you're not this. Or, oh, you're this. Or, oh, you're that. Then you got the racists who are like, oh, you're a minority. I don't like minorities. So I got another group of people who are going to tell me where I'm wrong again. So do you see where all this labeling can get you? You got all these labels, right? And all these people who think this and think that. And it gets you nowhere, folks. Let me give you another one. I was on the phone one time when I was a phone agent. And a guy was like... Are you in America? I was like, yes, sir. Born and raised. Put a little twang on there. He's like, oh, all right, good. I want something on my refrigerator. No problem. Took care of his problem. 10, 20 minutes. I don't remember. It was five years ago. Did what I had to do. That's it. Other people, you don't understand. I'm a father. Sir, I understand your concern. Let me see what I can do for you. I have a six-month-old at home. And if I was in your predicament, this would be quite a, you know, quite a, quite a huge problem for me. I'm going to find you a solution. I'm going to find someone to get you. Allow me three to four minutes of research. So here's where the rant goes. First off, know your audience. 
Know yourself, I would say, even better. Because if you're going to sit there putting yourself in a box, are you going to alienate your people or are you going to build a foundation? It can work either way, folks. Remember, the sword can cut either way. Now, if you're going to solely market to one group, that's called a niche. Your niche market can be big or small, but a small niche market can still get you people who pay you $50,000 a year for one or two classes. Ray Higdon, who's a seven to eight figure earner, paid Grant Cardone, I think, $100,000 for less than a day for coaching. Because he wanted to get to that next level. Now, there aren't many people going to, I mean, there probably are a lot of people, but you can get a dollar from a million people, or you can get a million dollars from seven people. So, you know, if you're, if you're trying to sell canoes to people who can't swim, you probably have a problem. But if you sell the canoe and include free swimming lessons, you might be able to get something. Here's another thing. If your marketing is all about who you are, are you going to alienate people just to prove a point? What did you gain? Because see here, I'll be honest with you, I alienate people when I tell them that I'm just an American. I don't care anymore. Because it's irrelevant to me. These are things that have no real value. I get literally nothing. I'm sitting there and doing... No, I'm not going to lie. I don't get nothing. I do have a sense of pride for my... I guess for my heritage. And for what my grandparents did and what our culture was. And I do celebrate Three Kings Day, which is like Puerto Rican Christmas. But here's the thing, folks. I barely celebrate Christmas as it is. Like, I don't talk to my son about Santa Claus. He'll mention it. You know my rebuttal is? I'm like, well, thank Jesus for all we have. Everything we have is because Jesus blessed Dad to have a job. And he takes care of our needs. So I guess you would say I don't push pagan holidays in my home either. But I'm not really stopping my songs. I want to have a sense of the magic. But to me, the real magic is that we're prepared, you know, we're provided for. So that's different. A lot of people aren't going to want to hear what I'm saying. Actually, my own mom, she's like, oh, why aren't you letting have the magic? I'm like, well, it doesn't really jive with my, you know, my religious philosophy. It doesn't jive with what I think I was actually taught to grow up with. When I look at the actual biblical history we studied. And I did study world religion in school and I've studied history and, you know, like I said, this is all personal decisions and it's a rant, but it does tie back to business, folks. Remember, you got to look at your market. Are you trying to grow a market or alienate a market? If you're trying to do neither, you need to stay right in the middle. If you're running for mayor, you want to go to the Puerto Rican Day Parade. You want to go to the LGBT Parade. You want to go to the Kwanzaa Fest. You want to go to everyone and say, hey, I'm only this person, but I appreciate your culture. You do stuff like that. If you're going to write a book for Puerto Ricans about Puerto Ricans, there's a good chance only Puerto Ricans are going to buy your book. With a planet of, I don't know, some seven plus billion people, that's a small market. Now, if you charge $50 a book, 100,000 people buy your book, you're good. But you're charging $7.99 to $4.99 in the range I sell my books for, it's a smaller market. So my book that I wrote is a very small targeted market. Compact, you know, it's not. There's probably... It's, it's like rap, spoken word, and some Christian poetry stuff, right? So if you dig hip-hop and lyrics, you might want to read it, whether you like my content or not. If you're a younger Christian or like a hip-hop-loving Christian, you might buy my book. Because it's stuff that you can relate to. My aunt is literally a pastor. She has gone to college for it. She has basically like a PhD-level type education. Two of the diploma stuff. She won't buy my book because she hates rap. And what I spit in that book sounds like rap. <laughs> She's like, I'd rather give you the cash here. It makes perfect sense. It's fine. But that market I'm going to, it can be very narrow or it can be very big. And it's all on how to do the marketing. 
Because one thing I will tell you, I apologetically, I am a Christian. That's who I am. A failed person and all the flaws, yeah, I sin all the time. I'm, I'm human. But see, now when it comes to the marketing, here's where the rant comes in, right? I'm not marketing myself as a Christian Latino. I'm just a Christian in America. That's it. Here's my book. If you like rap or poetry, you're probably going to dig this. I had someone one time, uh, someone brought a copy of my book and was like, hey, look, our, our guy Tony's here is a published author now. You might want to look at his book. Someone read it and they were like, you know, I really don't like this kind of stuff usually, but the way you write gave me chills. And I was like, buy a digital copy. It's even cheaper. I don't have any copies to give away yet because I wasn't, you know, I was a little strapped for cash. I wasn't giving away books like I'm going to start doing, I think, because I think that's a good tool. You know, people like free, right? So I'm going to give out a free a couple. But you can't give everything away. Remember, people don't always appreciate free, but I'm going to start doing it here and there. Get some, you know, author copies and just hand them out. And I'm see if I can write that off, too. I think I can write it off promotional costs. We'll see. We'll see right there. I'm already telling you. Be careful about your market. Be careful about your niche. Be careful and know your audience. And see if you can get tax credits. You want to limit your costs. Grant Cardone talks about it all the time. Follow him on YouTube, folks. Follow him on YouTube. I'm gonna go on one last rant. It's not related to rant, but he was doing this car thing about when you do calling people on the phone to make sales. Right? He said, "So ask them, ask the person you're calling." He said, "Do you make good decisions? Do you have a history of making good decisions?" Because like, I never make a bad decision. Good. So if you like this product, why hesitate? Just buy it. It's obviously a good decision. We feel good about it. Right, because you're gonna feel. I don't want to speak to my wife. I gotta speak to my boss. I can't just buy this. So, you know, I gotta go through. I gotta go through accounting. You're the boss, right? You don't make the decisions. Well, I do, but okay. Well, if you make the decision, let's make a decision. You're on the phone with me. You already invested the time. Let's finish this. Now, I was speaking to another sales professional. They were like, "Well, you can't say that to the customer." I'm like, "Why not?" Well, you're gonna close a twenty thousand dollars sale. You need to say what you're gonna say. I was like, you know, this, this is about money. If you're trying to make money. Because you're in sales, you need to have questions. You need to have rebuttals. You need to know how to answer. You need to know, how to, you know, it's, it's take it back to boardroom. Yes, questions. If I throw you, you know, uh, if you're drowning through your life preserver, will you take it? Yes, good. Here, buy a hundred shares. You have to know your market. You have to know your agenda. My agenda today was to rant and teach you some crap out of the rant. The Pirates of the Caribbean mixed with Transformers. I just think it's funny. See, I was fine finding someone with looks like a big old hook and a sword. I would think this monstrous robot would just try to rip other robots' heads off or shoot them. I would think close quarter combat would just be my hands and trying to rip you in half. Which one of the robots did, so I think it was Jazz in the first movie. He's like, Do you want a piece of me? He's like, No, I want two. And he ripped them literally in half. Made perfect sense to me. You want another rant lesson from there? Crush your competition. Kill them. Go back into my podcast. Kill, conquer, destroy. I'm out of here, folks. Gotta take care of my family. This is a really short podcast of 15 minutes. Tony at changingadvance.com. Changingadvance.com is the blog. Twitter is changing advance. YouTube is changing advance. I'm not gonna bother the Instagram tonight. You know where to find me. Peace. <laughs>